Good morning. There you go. Well, we're going to get your exercise in. You can stand again as we would pray. We would read from God's Word. <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John, chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. First, let's pray. Father, thank you again that you've shown us Christ. I pray that everyone in this room has seen Christ. Lord, we know not physically, but spiritually. I pray that everyone in this room, for them, they can truly say that the love of God has been shed abroad in their hearts through Jesus Christ. That they would know with certainty, in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son as a propitiation for our sins. Because God is love. We ask, Lord God, as we come to another test in your word, that of love, Lord, that we would be found passing. For the glory of Christ, we ask it. Amen. This is what God says to us today. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 11. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we've been doing a study in Christian disciplines, and we've been in 1 John for a while, we saw that John has declared that which he has seen and heard and touched with his own hands, seen with his own eyes, heard with his own ears, that of Jesus Christ. He declared to us that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And he warned us about saying that we have, we walk in a light, but yet we do not practice what the light says. He reminded us that if we do sin, that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins and forgive us from all our unrighteousness. He reminds us that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, the covering over of our sins. There's only one cover for our sins, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get rid of your sins outside of Jesus Christ. No matter what you do, no matter what you pay, no matter what you think you can do, you cannot do it outside of Jesus Christ. He also reminded us that we can know that we know Jesus. We can know that we know. This is how we have come to know Him. If we keep His commandments, that was the first test. He then comes to the test of love. In thinking about this, what is our greatest struggle in love? I can't say that I struggle to love my dogs. My dogs are, you know, I, I, I joke and say that the more people I meet, the more I love my dogs, right? We laugh because it's true. But isn't really people, like if we were to, I already see somebody going, yeah, that's right. It's people, what they do in their cars, what they do at Walmart, whatever it is. People we've never met, but they just push our button. One of the geniuses of the 20th century, I believe, 
is Gary Larson, who wrote the Far Side comics. And I want to show you a comic. I, I just love this comic. Uh, uh, it's, it's God creating the world. And if you can't see it in the background, it's all, you know, colored people, white people, this people, that, birds, animals, that. And in his hand, God has a shaker, and it says, and God is saying, just to make things interesting, and he's sprinkling jerks into the world. <laughs> right? Now, is that really how God did it? No, absolutely not. We know that. People are jerks because of their sinful nature. I just think it's hysterical, because that's probably how people view, th- view things. But it's people. People are our greatest struggle, if we're going to be honest, right? I mean, if there's a, a project we're doing, if, we're, if we like to do uh, puzzles or whatever, and we struggle in a puzzle, we can walk away from it. But sometimes I can't walk away from people. I have to go back to them. I have to go to work. I have to live with them, or I have to go to church with them. You can see where we're going with this. John begins by writing to them. If you remember, he opened his letter in a very untraditional way. He just begins just straight out of the box. He goes, and now he actually addresses them. Well, he actually addresses them in my little children, but now he says, beloved. Beloved. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. The word beloved, agapatos, the object of one's affection. John is telling this little church, this group of believers, you are my beloved. I love you. I want to tell you that I love you. I know if Mike was standing here and John or Len, we would say the same thing. We often talk, well, we're going to talk about you tonight. We meet at 5 o'clock every Sunday night, and we talk about you, but not in a bad way. Like, man, this is encouraging. Did you know this? Or did you know that? And wow, oh, let's pray for. And we love you. We love you because God first loved us. And one thing we know is that you love us. I want to tell you how encouraging that is to come to a place where people love me. I don't know if you always like me, but you love me. That's for sure. John says, you, my beloved... And I want to remind us today, and we need to know that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are the beloved of God. I can't help but thinking of Elon Musk walking into Twitter with a sink in his hand and goes, let that sink in. Let that sink in. You, if you're in Christ Jesus, are the beloved of God. You are the object of of God's affection. How do you put words to that? How could you just be unresponsive to that truth? That the God of the universe, who spoke, let there be light, boom. The God of the universe, who knit you in your mother's womb, says, you, you, are the object of my affection, that I love you. And how, what kind of love does God say he loves us with? An everlasting love. That's how much God loves you. And if we are in, it is in Christ, who is the beloved of God, 
that we are blessed and loved. Let that, if nothing else, let that sink in today. John says that he writes to this beloved a commandment that is old. It's not new, he says. It's an old commandment. He says it's the word that we heard from the beginning. And we see here in this verse that commandment and word are interchangeable. He says that which you've heard from the beginning. The beginning meaning here, when you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what he means by beginning here. But then John says that it's actually not an old commandment, it's a new commandment. Well, which is it, John? Which is it, John? It's what I like to call new old stock. Anybody know what new old stock is? If you ever watched American Pickers, you've probably heard that. Right? That used to be a famous show, right? But new old stock is, suppose I, I, like, I would like to have a 1972 Plymouth Barracuda, right? I would love to have that car, right? I get one. God gives me one. I need parts for it. And I find parts made in 1972 new in the box. It's new old stock. You get it? It's new old stock. As David Allen says in his commentary, it is something old and yet something new in terms of its quality and authority. It is something old and yet something new in terms of its quality and authority. What is this new commandment which John is referring to? Perhaps we know, if we know our Bibles, our mind goes back to the Last Supper. Where Jesus, some of the last words that Jesus gives to his apostles... It says, I give you a new commandment. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Well, how is it old? And how is it new? Well, it's old in the fact that it is a clear command from God in the Old Testament. Leviticus 19, 18 says this. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus, when asked what is the greatest commandment, takes this commandment of loving your neighbor as yourself, tying it with the greatest commandment that found in the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6 of loving the Lord your God. This is Jesus In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We are not called to love God with just our emotions. We are to love God with our mind also. Say it all the time that Christianity is first and foremost a thinking religion. But it's not just all intellectual. We need to be intellectual about God's Word. It, will, it, it keeps us from going off into error. Yet it's also what should guide our emotions. He says, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The Jews were working off 613 laws. Jesus says, well, there's really two that are really one. And only God could do that. (laughs) This old commandment is that of love. John says that it is true. This commandment is true, he says, in Jesus and should be true in us also. Listen to what he says in verse 8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him, meaning Jesus, and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. It's true in him. It's true in Jesus. Jesus keeps the command of love. Listen to again what Jesus said at the Last Supper. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. John will go on later to say that God himself is love. Therefore, Jesus has to be love because he's God. What we need to know about this commandment here in 1 John specifically and contextually is that it is a command that is given specifically to the church. We are to love all people, yes, but we are especially to love the people of God's church. Our love for each other is proof that we are in Christ Jesus. Jesus says by this, in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so understand that John here is speaking to the church, and he is telling them that it is you are to love the people of the church. We're not saying we're not to love the people of the world, yes, But here specifically, we're dealing with the people of the church. Jesus is the supreme example of love. And we are called to follow the example of Jesus. When we act in love, we show the light and the love of Christ has truly penetrated the darkness. That's what John says. It's true in you because the darkness is fading away. It's penetrated the darkness that it once ruled us. John says... This is another test for us. Are we loving our brothers and sisters as we should, or are we loving or hating? Loving or hating. He says in verse 9, whoever says he is in the light, what does it mean to walk in the light? To obey God's commands. To know that you know the Lord and to obey His commands is to walk in the light. He says if you say you're in the light and Hate his brother is still in darkness. The key to understanding this, of course, is the word hates. What does it mean to hate? Well, the word hates, messio, detest, to dislike strongly, with the implication of aversion and hostility. To detest, to dislike strongly, with the implication of aversion and hostility. 
I would really be okay if the word aversion wasn't in there. So I'm not really hostile. But do I seek to avoid the people of God's church? Doesn't that just bring it to another level? Like, man, God covers everything. There's no way out. Well, that's what he wants. That's he's God. That's where he puts us in. He forces us to look at ourselves. I like what David Allen again says in his commentary. He says, notice that the tense of the verb hates is present and suggests habitual action. The tense of the verb is very important at this point. John is describing someone whose settled disposition and conduct is one of hatred towards his fellow believers. You can't have hate and love in your heart at the same time. It's impossible. Well, that's true. You just can't. Love and hate at the same time. We have a love-hate relationship. No, no, you don't. In contrast to being in darkness through hate, John says that when we love our brother or sister, we're abiding in the light. Verse 10 says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Well, let's define love. Always go to the verbs. Love. Agapao. To have love for someone or something based on sincere appreciation and high regard. To love, to regard with affection, loving concern, or love. Love is the first of the fruit of the Spirit. And remember in our study of the fruit of the Spirit, out of love comes all the other fruit of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that it is the greatest of all human virtues is to love. We live in a day and an age where the world is telling us to love. By their version of love, they mean to be tolerant and accepting of all people and all ideas. Well, except for your view and your idea. That's intolerable. But accept everybody else's. That's not what love is. To love our fellow or brother or sister, the Bible tells us, means that we are abiding in Jesus, taking up residence, abide, meneo, to continue in an activity or state, to continue to remain in, to keep on. Remember what Jesus said about abiding in him. He's the vine. We're the branches. We abide in Jesus, literally to take up residence, to make our home. When we love, we are abiding in the light and therefore walking as Jesus walked. John says that the person who loves and abides in the light has no cause for stumbling. Wait, what does that mean? No cause for stumbling. Well, I think there's two possibilities and I think both are correct. If I'm truly seeking to love my fellow brothers and sisters within the church, then I have nothing that is hindering me from seeing and obeying the commands of God. That I'm literally striving to obey God. I want to walk as He walked. I'm in the light. Uh, I'm seeking to emulate Jesus, to follow the example that He left of love. And the second is that we ourselves do not become 
a cause of stumbling for others. If I don't love you, I don't care about you. I don't care what I do. And it may cause you to stumble. Paul brings that out in Romans, right? Just over the idea of what you eat. Now, that's not culturally relevant to us, but it was back to them about meat sacrificed to idols. That if I have someone who struggles with buying meat that was sacrificed to an, uh, 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 an idol, and, and you know, we need to have con- historical context of that, that in the Greco-Roman society, that in the agora, the marketplace, that in order to be selling stuff, you had to kind of like you know, acquiesce to the God at the gate. And that's kind of what it meant. Um, it means nothing to a believer. They'd say, well, the, this person who's not a believer, you know, they gave this meat to the God, whoever, and so what? It's meat. It tastes good. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a barbecue. It doesn't affect me. But another person may. And he says, you know how you love the person who would struggle with that? Don't eat meat. Eat, eat, eat broccoli that day. Don't do it because you love them. Love is always a giving of the self. I don't want to cause someone else to stumble. You know, we would use the analogy today. If I know somebody has had a history of uh, struggling with alcohol, the Bible has no prohibitions against drinking. Being drunk, yes. But if I knew you had a struggle with alcohol, and I invite you over to my house, and I, you know, I put out a couple cans of beer... Well, I'm not loving you, right? It makes no sense. Why would I do that? So I wouldn't cause somebody else to stumble. If I am loving my brother and sister, I am seeking and seeing and obeying God's commands, and I am not causing someone else to stumble. But John says, that's not what you're doing. Again, he uses the contrast. Verse 11, he says, But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If you hate your brother or your sister, a person within a child, I just can't stand that person. I hate that person. Boy, I just want to avoid them. Oh, man. You know what? I'm leaving the church because I, I, I just can't stand to be next to that person. And it may be me. It may be you. Maybe I want to leave because of you. You ever think of that way? No, I don't. You don't, you don't I'm just teasing you. But you understand what I'm saying? That within the church of God's redeemed people, the idea of hating should not exist because God is about the ministry of reconciliation. God is bringing people together through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need our best friends. The people that we can share the most with are the people of God. I can't go out into the world or people of the world and, and, and share with them the joys of what Jesus has shown me and is doing in my life because they just don't care. They'll, oh, that's nice for you. Oh, that's good. For, you know, that's wonderful. Or you're, you know, what's, you're nuts. Get away from me. We can share it with the people of God. So the have, we learn and learning in, in the book of Corinthians, the first Corinthians, about divisions within the church. Paul says, this is what's wrong with you. So easily we draw up battle lines. 
Yeah, well, I'm for that, and I'm for... We saw it in this past election. People joined battle lines between Democrat and Republican. Guess what? Both parties are doomed to die. America is doomed as a nation because only the kingdom of God will last forever. Why don't we align ourselves with what God says? And if what God says happens to line up with the democratic principle, hold to it. If it happens to be a Republican or conservative, hold to it. Don't make a big deal about my political party. Make everything about my affiliation with Jesus. Say, this is what I stand on, and I am unmoving in it. Love is paramount to the health of the church. It keeps us from a spiritual heart attack, as David Allen says. Listen to what he says. When Christians love one another, the body is healthy. When some Christians don't love as they should, spiritual arteries get clogged and the church is in danger of a spiritual coronary arrest. Remember what Jesus says. It only takes a little leaven to wreck the whole loaf. So to have conflict within the church. No wonder Jesus says that if brothers have something to get it, go to your brother, try to make it right with him. If he's in sin or whatever, if, he, if you can't reconcile, bring others with you. And if you can't get past that, bring it to the church. The church is in the ministry of reconciliation. God has reconciled to us in Christ Jesus. God, in Christ Jesus, has forgiven us all that we've done and doesn't bring it up against us again. You know all that you've done. I know all that I've done. God knows everything that you've done. Even the things that you don't think were too bad, God may say, well, that's actually pretty bad. God sees it all, and yet he still says, I love you. I gave myself for you. You have a brother or sister, and you have a problem with them. They've sinned against you. They've done something against you. They've asked for forgiveness, but you just don't want to. You don't want to love your brother or sister. The love of God is not in you. This is a tough test. So let's take the, the love test can't help but think of the love boat theme. It's exciting and new. What is the love test? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Where Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words... If I have all the right religious language, but deep inside, I, I don't love you. I, in God's sight, it's pointless. I may fool you with it, but as God says about the church of Sardis, you have a reputation for this, as we learned this morning, of being alive, but yet you're actually dead. He says, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Boy, I can, I can 
exposit God's word. I can this, and I can. You want to know what God's word? You want to know what that Greek word is? You want to know? Man, that's the guy to go to. He's deader than a doornail inside. He says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Think about that. If I give away all that I have, Jesus told the rich young man who said he kept the entire law, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and follow me. Well, that's a line I'm not going to cross, Jesus. Suppose you did. I bought in 100%. Buying it, I'm giving it all away. I'm sold out 100% for Jesus. So much so that I'm martyred, but I actually don't have love inside. Paul says I gain Nothing. Not even heaven. Because I forgot my first love. He says, love is patient and kind. You had me at patience, (laughs) right? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. How are we doing? We need to be cautioned about thinking about other people in our minds right now. Oh, yeah, so-and-so, yeah. No, this needs to be pointed directly at us individually. does not insist on its own way. You talk about going against human nature 100%. There it is. I want my way. I like it. At the end of my life, I can say, I did it my way. That's the worst thing you could say. It is not irritable or resentful. How easily are we irritated with people? How easily are we irritated with the people of God? It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Remember what God said about himself. Exodus 34, verse 7. We should have this memorized. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. So how do we do? What what, what do we do? What do we do with this? What does love actually do? It tells us what, what it doesn't do and some things that it does do. But if we really love one another, we're to love the people of God's church. And particularly, we're to love all of God's people, love all people, yes, we know. But you and I are called to, who's in this room, 
and a member of this church, a regular tender of this church, we are to love one another. God's word is clear that if we don't love one another, really love one another, then we're walking in darkness. I mean, we read it. God said it, not me. I'm just repeating what God says because that's my job. And I say it also because I love you. You know that love will first and foremost, love encourages. Love encourages. You ever, had, you ever had that person in your life who was an encourager to you? You can think of maybe a teacher back in elementary school. They, they just encouraged me. I have a man in my life, man, this guy, Pastor Steve Wallison. He encouraged me as a young, rebellious teenager who really, he loved me with the love of Christ. And I would just push back at him. And you know what he kept doing? Coming back at me. I have a person like that. Love encourages Love when somebody's going off, off the, the starting to go off or struggling with something. You don't just say, ah, I'm just too busy in my life as this. And you know what? I, I really don't want to deal with you because whenever I talk to you, it's just a circular argument. It becomes, and then I don't know what I'm doing. And then I think you're nuts. And then I feel bad because I think you're nuts. And then, I must be the only one. Love encourages. The church in Thessalonica was, was struggling with the return of the Lord and what it all means. And Paul sets them straight and then Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You seek to encourage somebody? They tell you what's going on. Hey, yeah, that's good. You know, good for you, yeah. Hey, I really feel the Lord is calling me to go to hungry. Encourage. We encourage Dom, right? You tell me that God is telling you, I think I should leave my, my job and I should do another job. Will I encourage you or will I... You know what I'm saying? Do we encourage one another? You know what? That's great, man. But have you really prayed about it? Have you really... Or do we seek to put... You know, a wet blanket on people. Not that we let people run wild with whatever they feel. That's not true either. Because another aspect of love is that love confronts. Love confronts. Really, I thought just love, let everything go. And, and love is love. And you know, and your truth is your truth. And, this, and that's not how it works within the church. James says this. James 5, 19 to 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Love is willing to confront, to have a hard conversation. Are we willing to do that with brothers and sisters? Well, I'm not called to judge. It's not my job. We don't judge. No, the Bible says quite the opposite. That within the church, we're to judge one another. Outside, they're just doing what they do. You know, they had an open worship service of Satan with an effigy of Satan right at the Grammys. 
That's what the world does. It should be no surprise to us. We're sitting there with judge. Oh, how horrible. That's what they do. Now, if you brought that into the church, well, hold, hold on a second. Now we're going to judge that because you're bringing it into a place that it has no place. Maybe if we confront somebody about what they've posted on their social media. I hate social media. What a destruction of America that is. You understand what I'm saying? Are we willing to, because I love you, I'm going to speak the truth to you. I'm going to speak the truth in love. Say amen to that. But we know we need to take the opposite too. That love accepts correction. Love accepts correction. You know, when somebody comes to you and they tell you a fault, they tell you a problem or something that you've done, and you know it's going to hurt them, but yet you can respond correctly because you know the spirit and the person who told you the truth. You know what? We know, we know. usually you know a conversation with somebody is going to go bad when they begin with this. I really love you. At that point, it's going to go downhill. Right? I really love you. But if we really love one another, I'm willing to accept correction from you. I may not have to agree with it. I may say, well, I think you actually have it wrong. That's okay. It's not so, oh, okay, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and apologize for everything. When you don't have anything to apologize for at times. But if I really love you, and I believe you really have come to me because you love me, I'm willing to accept what you say. The Proverbs say this. It says, do not reprove a scoffer, for he will hate you. Well, of course, they don't care. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Or the Proverbs say this. Proverbs 17.10, A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows to a fool. If I have the Spirit of God, I have the Spirit of God's wisdom. I have the mind of Christ. I should be able to take what somebody tells me, somebody reproves me. I've been reproved many times in my life, still need to be. But if you take it and say, you know what? This person's not out to get me. This person cares for me. Obviously, there's something that's hindering my ministry. There's hindering my relationship with this person. I need to take this serious because I love that person. And I really believe they're out for my good. We need to come to somebody with this idea that, you know what, I'm concerned because where you are is affecting your relationship with God. Paul Tripp is fantastic on that, all that stuff. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows a fool. 
Jesus said that if we love one another, it'll be known to the world. It'll be known. It'll just be seen. What's going on over here? What caused the church in Acts chapter 2 to just grow exponentially? Well, they saw that these people loved one another. They held everything in common. Somebody had a need, it was met. They really loved one another. Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so the question we have to ask ourselves today, are we passing the love test? Or are we walking in darkness? I don't mean to put a downer on anything, put a a mood over things to leave today. But these are the questions that Scripture asks us. And so, guess what? They're the most important questions we could ever ask ourselves. I would like to say, judging from just what I see, we really don't have an issue here, do we? I hope not. Do we love the people of God's church? I thank God that He has placed me in a place where I know the people love me and I love the people and I see you love each other. You're an encouraging church. You're a confronting church and you're willing to be confronted. Thanks be to God for that great gift. Thanks be to God for that great gift. As Don Moen says in the song, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, What a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. May we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And may we love each other as ourselves. For the glory of God and God alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you loved us with an everlasting love. And thank you, Lord God, that you call us to an ever-deepening love for you and for each other. And Lord, help us. Help us develop a love first for you, a deeper and a deeper love for you, and a deeper and deeper love for our brothers and sisters. Lord, your word is clear. When all is said and done and the world comes to an end, we're only going to have each other. Thank you for the gift of the church. Thank you for the gift of people who love us. People who want to be with us. People who care about us. People who will call us out and seek to restore us. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the body. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close in the song. Please stand as please stand as we close in the doxology. 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.